This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. And we are back on Line Dance Podcast on Move Radio with Christopher Gonzalez and Megan Barcelia. And for our second article today, we will be adapting an article from dancefullout.com. Dance music, how to make the right choice for your routine. I'm not sure who wrote this article. It doesn't seem to say. <laughs> but it looks like a good one from seven years ago. We would also very quickly like to make a shout out to Julie Lockton. Hi, Julie. Looks like Julie is in Spain and she is listening along and sending positive wishes to our very own Megan. Aw, thanks, Julie. Yeah, thank you for being part of the Move Radio family. I just like all our DJs. We got a real good thing going here with this move radio. We do. Yeah. If you ever have a chance, those of you who are listening to spread the good word of move radio, invite folks to check out move-radio.com and see all the different offerings of shows that we have throughout the week from several continents across our dance planet. Yep, yep. This article again, Dance Music, How to Make the Right Choice for Your Routine. As you plan your routines for upcoming dance classes, performances, and competitions, the music you choose will have a huge impact on the success of your routine. With this in mind, here are four key questions for choosing the best dance music for your choreography. One, who is dancing? The first thing you need to think about when choosing dance music is the age of your dancers. If it's just you, you have a little bit more freedom as to the kinds of songs you pick for your choreography. But if you are choosing the dance music for others, as line dancers always are, it's essential to focus on the age of your dancers and pick something appropriate for that age range. Obviously, you don't want to choose a song with sexy lyrics or bad language. While a song may have a good beat, remember to listen to the words carefully. After all, you don't want to be disqualified from a competition due to racy song lyrics. And do you really want to deal with stage parents complaining about your choice? Plus, who really wants to see little children dance to music that is too old for them? Instead, why not take advantage of the fact that they are only this age once? It won't be too long before they can no longer dance to cute songs, and they can spend the rest of their lives being adults. Be responsible and choose the right dance music for the age of the dancers. As I mentioned, we will be adapting this article for line dance, and I would say that the same applies for if you have a senior class. It might not be the most appropriate to pick whatever the latest hit is on the radio if it's not something that's going to connect with them and if it's not something they will feel comfortable dancing to when you instead have the option of choosing some of their favorite songs, maybe songs that they remember some or all of the lyrics to, or ones that they used to play around the house, or as I find to be often the case, uh, that their parents used to play around the house. When I sing at senior communities, even in memory care uh, areas, people will say, oh, my mom used to sing that all the time. And they will remember this 80 or 90 years into their adulthood. 
So really think about whether you are choreographing both the steps and the music together when you're choosing who will be dancing this. For example, you might think you have a great beginner dance that seniors could physically do, but musically, is it to something they'll enjoy hearing? I would love for you to go into a little bit of depth about a conversation we had earlier today, as well as one we've had in the past, about the different types of dances, like, for instance, the difference between what might get played as an opener versus a late night. Mm -hmm. Well... Some of the categories that we were looking at most recently involved late night dancing. And there, there are a few different kinds of dances that are played after midnight at events in the United States, at least. And without having gone super deeply into all of the different dances that are played and breaking every one of them down into multiple categories or one of a few categories. The four that really popped out for me were fun slash energetic, like whip it or shots with somebody or AK freak or what was another one? Jukebox dance ranch rom, those kinds of dances. They are fun and energetic and that's what they're there for, to really get people's blood pumping. You also have the kind of offshoot flavor of fun, which is silly, where you're doing unusual movements and the song is kind of unexpected or humorous. So that might be something more like Hold Your Horses, where people are doing these outlandish arm movements or don't look good naked where it's not an advanced dance by any means, but you might hear that pop up just to break the tension that has been established by other dances, such as another category, pretty dances, the dances that make people feel nostalgic or sentimental or forlorn melancholy. And these might include she used to be mine or faith and desire falling, die a happy man, girl crush, strip it down, things that make you feel kind of slow and sexy and and even like run me like a river, something spooky and mysterious, take me to church, my ADD. Those are the sort of like, ooh, something's going on here kind of dances. And then there's the cool dances where you feel cool doing them, like Geek in the Pink, or have fun, go mad to Eminem's Shake That, or Smooth Criminal, where when you get out there, you feel like, oh, I, I'm, I'm dancing in like a Michael Jackson dark alley, kind of like side lit, and I know my stuff, and I'm right there on the beat, and I'm doing this thing, but it's in my feet. <laughs> there's, a, there's a feeling of sort of secrecy, and intimacy within the room for those. And those kind of build tension. Uh, the pretty dances build tension. 
the fun ones break tension and the silly ones break tension. I don't think I mentioned skiffle time, such a silly dance for, you know, what's going on in the music. Uh, if you are thinking about choreographing a dance and you're wondering who is dancing, that can, that can, if you're looking at early versus late night, that can depend who is willing to stay up that late. You'll probably end up with some of the younger crowd, like 20s, 30s, uh, maybe you know 40s, 50s, as opposed to the people who have been dancing for the last 40 years, and they started when they were 40. Uh, that might be more of the opening sort of crowd, like when Louis plays Hello, Dolly!, or Gypsy Queen, uh, or maybe not 50 Ways, but uh, Pontoon. You know, there are some of these dances that are really built for just kind of breaking the ice, having what you would think of as just some harmless line dance fun, and those really go well earlier in the evening. Not too taxing, just kind of gets you going. You're not going to pull anything, like if you tried to do Pump It, or Larger Than Life even. It's just very surprising to hear earlier in the night. As the night gets later, you end up with those other four, the two tension builders and the two tension breakers. And there might be other categories that I haven't uh, looked further into. But when you're choreographing a dance and thinking who is going to be dancing this and who is this intended for, is it the casual, just having fun early crowd? Is it the people who want to dance cool? The people who want to dance pretty? The people who just want to get crazy and do party night uh, by Roy Hidesabrodo and Fiona Murray? Uh, later in the evening, you know, who is this for? If it's not hitting any of those, if it's just steps that could go with this song, kind of, and it's only going to be done by maybe your close friends because they like you, uh, or people who are listening to that song on the radio right now and they just kind of want to get it out of their system, that might be fine for like a year or so if if you're lucky. But beyond that, there isn't necessarily a place for it in the overall playlist because new dances are coming out all the time and new songs are coming onto the radio all the time. It's really jarring to look at some of Doris Voltz's uh, breakdowns of previous events or World Line Dance Newsletter's summary of events from years past and just go one after another dances I've never heard of and never seen played, even when classics are being played at like world dance masters or Vegas, you know, things from ages and ages ago where they're just testing. Do you still remember this? They're not even getting played during that period of time. These are dances that just came and went and never came back. So again, coming back to who is dancing this dance and who is intended to dance it. And, um, you know, finding music for those people, if it's not the early crowd and if it's not any of those categories of late crowd, then it's likely that there will be no crowd. And when there's no crowd for a line dance, the dance just dies. The other thing to kind of consider with the who is going to be along the lines of, is this for your beginners? Is this for your ones that want to challenge themselves? Is this for... 
the ones that have been asking for just a fun dance that it doesn't matter. It's it's all difficulty levels and, you know, you can throw in tons of variations if you're more experienced or you can just really get a good grip on some basic steps as a beginner. I mean, that's definitely something to who is who are you aiming to enjoy this dance? Ooh, this is interesting. Number two, who is the audience? Next, think about your audience. Who will be watching this dance and why? If you are performing for senior citizens, maybe you want to use music from the good old days. That's interesting that they would mention that. One topic later. If you are entertaining members of the military, maybe they'd like to hear motivational American classics. If you are competing, what will the judges find unique and interesting. Remember, this is not about you. It's about offering a performance your specific audience will find entertaining. And wouldn't it be nice to see big smiles out in the audience or even bring home a trophy? Okay, so obviously you can relate this a little bit to competition and whatnot, but I was actually thinking more along the lines of demos. Uh, It goes very hand-in-hand with the who's going to be dancing this, And so releasing a particular dance at a particular event is is very something you have to, how do I word this? You have to kind of gauge who the audience of the, the, the participants will be to know, are you going to be teaching a party dance? Are you going to be teaching more of the pretty dances? Because, you know, in theory, you have a couple of each. Uh, so when you think about who your audience is that you're going to be demoing, um, are they going to be the beginners? Are they going to be the intermediates? Who are you trying to, for lack of a better term, sell this dance to? Uh, to know that they can connect to it in some way, shape, or form. So when you're out there demoing, you want to engage with the people. You want to figure out, is this one where you want to make sure you're looking at everybody and just smiling? Is this one where you want to goof off and play and throw in a little variation to? Um, Is this one you want to stick completely vanilla to the steps uh, so they can get a really good grasp at at it? So when you're looking at who you're demoing for, that's when you start looking at your audience and trying to figure out, you know, where you're aiming. Um, Another thing to consider with like the song, like what music you want to use, like the good old days kind of thing. If there's a dance that you have given a couple options of music, like I know... um, Joe and Norm have, was it just a two-step? Just a two-step in. Step in, excuse me. Just a two-step in. They have several options of songs that they could use for it because it works um, with the rhythm they set up. And so you can choose different songs to demo it if you have that option. Now, obviously, some of these you've choreographed specifically to one song. It's phrased or whatever. But if you have multiple songs, you can play to which song you think is going to be better received by the particular audience you're teaching. Multiple things come to mind here. One, I would at some point like to 
echo what we were saying earlier today about risk and authenticity, because they're talking here about what will the judges find unique and interesting. And I think it is possible to choreograph a dance to win a competition and not really respect that dance as your own creation or want to dance it. I don't think that's a good idea, but I think it's possible. And we should totally talk about how a choreographer uh, uses risk to express an authentic feeling about a piece. Uh, also, bars. In bars, depending, or in, in, I guess in similar venues, your selection might be different depending who's there and what your relationship with those people will be. For example, if we were dancing at Tradewinds and there's no cover and a bunch of random people are going to walk in off the street and just drink all night, you might want to lean more toward the cool style dances because getting silly in front of a bunch of strangers or getting really emotional in front of a bunch of strangers is probably not going to make you feel the most comfortable because you don't know how they're going to react and you really can't get feedback from them. But you can get away with cool and you can get away with fun and energetic because there's nothing that will reflect poorly on you or make you open yourself up too much in doing. If you're at some place like Hot Monk where it's a closed environment, it's like a 10 or $15 cover. I don't even remember how much it is um, since we've been teaching there for this long. You can get away with anything. You can do anything you want. You can, you can get real silly and do don't look good naked. Um, you can do the cool stuff. Just I mean, You're not really proving anything to anybody at Hot Monk. We're all just there to have a good time. Uh, you, know, you can do the energetic. You can do middle of the road. You can do opener dances. Like Anything goes there because we're only there. Anybody who's there is only there if they intended to be and because we're all kind of dancers even if all we know is cupid shuffle we're there to dance yeah. so then you can open up a little bit more then you can do a wider selection of more vulnerable dances you probably still wouldn't want to go too pretty because people are, are there really just to have a good time um and yeah if you're at like a, a, a weekend social then yeah you can get super emotional if you want because those line dancers are line dancers and they, they go in there with an expectation that there are going to be some nightclubs and some waltzes. Uh, it's not like a country night at a restaurant. And then for what they're saying about military or senior citizens, you can song change so many different dances and still maintain the integrity of the dance. Just think about like something like Dizzy. There isn't anything in Dizzy that's so tied to that song that you would be out of place doing it to some swinging, jazzy classic from the 40s, as long as it doesn't go off phrase by too much. So yeah, for those, you can just song change them. But if you're trying to create something specific, then, yeah, think about where is this going to be danced? Because if you are choreographing a dance for your place where you can only get away with doing cool stuff because the people there might judge you or whatever, then... Right as you're about to say, oh, I'm going to choreograph a new beginner dance for the bar so that our beginners who come in will be able to learn it because that's what happens at bars. You get a lot of beginners and then you find yourself choreographing to this really cute, fun, silly song and then you try to dance it at the place. You're like, oh, right. This isn't the place for that. (laughs) Yeah. Then you just need like the pop radio hit or something safe. Okay. Risk and authenticity. It is possible 
to just put a bunch of steps together and have them fit rhythmically with music. And you can even look down like the judges checklist and see if all your technique is correct and your step sheet is written well and all the other things that they're looking for. And you can even simulate having high energy in it if you add a few up-down movements and syncopations. But if you want to show that you actually did feel something when you were making this and you have a personal connection with it and you want to invite people to share that experience with you, we were talking earlier today about how there should be some element of risk in your dance. And... What Rachel does for that a lot is she'll invent steps pretty much. (laughs) She'll do things that nobody else has ever done before. And when you do that, you can, in theory, alienate people who are not comfortable doing new steps. They want to do their grapevines and their walks and their triples and whatever. Um, And if they see this new thing, they could say, that's too weird. Why is this guy, guy Gaetan... Gaetan, why is he putting hands in a a line dance? Hands don't belong in a line dance. I'm never going to do his dances again. Like you're putting yourself at risk when you do that. But if people are willing to try that, then it's their way of almost like accepting your weirdness. You are putting in the new thing and saying, I am weird. I won't apologize for it. I stand behind it. I could have changed it if I wanted to, but this felt right. And I'm going to take a stand on this. And you can join me and do this dance with me. Or you can never play it again. We'll we'll leave that up to you. When you dance that or when you teach that in your class, you are taking that choreographer's side in a way. And you're saying, I accept your weirdness. Not only do I accept it in theory and tell other people, yeah, it's, it's a okay dance. It's a, That part's a little strange, but you know, you get used to it. Not something I would do, but I could see somebody else doing it. When you teach it and then you do it, you're saying, I will will claim this as my own. I will say that this is good enough for me and I am even happy to do this weird thing that you've chosen for us. That develops and deepens the relationship between the choreographer and the learners of the choreographer's dance in a way that just doing basic steps that are safe does not do because anybody can take some dance where there's like a side mambo, a side mambo, a forward mambo, a back mambo, a grapevine, right? A grapevine left, you know, a triple forward and a step turn triple forward. Now you have a two wall dance. And what happened there really shuffle it all around. Now you're doing shuffle forward, shuffle back side mambo, side mambo, grapevine, left grapevine, right, whatever. And it's not telling a story. It's not taking any risk. A person from Cambodia could have just as easily shuffled it around as you know the original could have put together uh, their dance in Canada. And they're indistinguishable. You know, they're just steps. Um, by by taking that risk, you're trying to communicate something that's specific and personal and 
part of the weirdness is my body feels like this from the inside out. This is satisfying for me and I have an emotional release when I do this thing. You now know by doing this thing what my body feels like when I am experiencing an emotional catharsis. And that can be that can be pretty or it can be silly. You can be showing everybody how funny it looks, you know, to have your hands waving around in the air or running forward at a diagonal and then turning and doing another diagonal running forward. You know, there's so many strange things that you can do in a dance that make you look strange in front of everyone. And by helping do that dance with the person. Like, let's say Rebecca were to go out and just do clap snap on a sidewalk. Now she's amazing and she would make it look technically perfect. So she could get away with it. She does that with like so much confidence. If some random person were to do that and kind of like smile meekly through it and kind of half do it. Cause they don't know if they're really allowed to, they might look very strange. And it's in doing those strange things with them that we as line dancers rush in and say, no, this is normal. What they're doing is fine and I'm going to do it too and I'm going to do it right next to them. And the more of us do that next to that person, the more okay we make it. So by teaching these dances by people, even if we're not able to do it in the same room as them, uh, we are able to virtually from a distance show them it's okay. We like you and we're going to do this just like you're doing it in your country far, far away because uh, it's all okay. You know, this is this is normal for us. We can be weird together. And that shows authenticity and it puts your neck out there for um, for all of us to have that experience as one community. Amen. <laughs> all right. Now that I pushed him off his soapbox. <laughs> Number three already? <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, these last two are barely even really here on the list, but that's good because we barely have any time left. Number three, how much time do you have? When planning your dance music, think about how much time you or your dance class has to perform or compete. If you only have a few minutes, focus on short selections or songs you can cut without having the music sound funny. You want there to be a smooth transition from beginning to end. And if you need help, hire a professional editor or DJ. After all, you don't want your audience distracted by music that has strange changes or cuts off abruptly. For short dances, forget about mashing songs together and keep it simple. Then you and your audience members can focus on the performance instead <coughs> of the music. As you can see, this one doesn't have as much relevance with line dance. Other than we've heard, you should keep your song between three and three and a half. If it's something with a lot of energy and kind of like a pop flavor of the year sort of song, you can get away with longer if you are going for pretty because those kinds of dances do tend to go on a bit. Uh, you can go maybe four minutes, four and a half. Really shouldn't go too much longer than that unless it's poetry in motion to Hotel California mm -hmm. uh, from Hell Freezes Over 1992 by the Eagles. Might be 94. Look it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've definitely heard about watching the time frame and if it's going to be a faster dance um, for beats per minute, looking at hitting that three minutes in that ballpark as opposed to something that's like you know four minutes long uh the other thing we've heard of is uh be aware of like how many times you do your repetitions during the actual uh song length so for instance if you have you know a three minute three and a half minute song um 
figure out like how long it takes to get going, how long it takes to build a versus like a four minute song, same thing, but you may consider doing a 64 count as opposed to a 32 because you have those extra 30 seconds. And although it doesn't sound like a long time, dancing for 30 seconds and, you know, doing two more repetitions of 32 might get, you know, like, oh God, I forgot how long this song is versus if you just had to do one more repetition of 64. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely something to consider with the amount of how many times you do a repetition in the dance uh, for the length of the song. Also, considering demos tend to only go for one or two minutes or two walls, depending on how they do it, uh, try to catch people early. Don't have so much intro that you're waiting and waiting and waiting because all of that counts. And if you only ha- if it's if it's being done by time, like we were listening to one song where you could start it like you really couldn't start it sooner than about 30 seconds in. And even then, that part isn't very strong. It doesn't get to the downbeat until about 50 seconds in. That is so long to wait. If you're standing around in front of hundreds of people in a ballroom waiting to do your dance, now they don't even really want to do it because you've given them this sour taste of waiting. Also, you don't want to do too quick of a count-in because that's going to stress people out when they're trying to rush to the floor if the DJ doesn't know how to, as Louis will do something uh, something like this, you'll like, where he's repeating the few first few counts of Stomp Your Feet over and over. Or, for do something crazy. Like, if you have to have it loop the first few counts for a while just to get people on the floor, at least... Hopefully it'll sound good with those first few counts. If it's not like an awkward instrumental intro, then you might be able to get away with that. But just in general, think about how the first 30 seconds are going to sound for people who do the head test of does this song even turn my head? Do I care enough about how it sounds to want to see what the dance looks like? As we've heard from one DJ at Windy City. Um, And also, if it's a a choreographer and you're trying to choose what to pitch to somebody, sometimes they'll just listen the first 30 seconds, and if they're not in it already, they're like, no, this isn't going to build enough. No matter how good it gets later, these first 30 seconds were boring, and I'm not going to wait through that, and I'm not going to put my students through that. So then that's one that you can just not pitch to them because that's how they decide, and um, that 30 seconds is important to them. Number four, are there any legal issues? This is a big point many dance teachers and choreographers forget. Check copyright laws prior to using a song in a big performance piece. If people videotape or record the performance, including the music, and you sell that recording, or it is broadcast on a large level, you may face a copyright violation and end up having to pay huge fees. While using most music in a small setting is okay, you may want to check with your attorney first. There is also some great information at the U.S. Copyright Office. HTTP colon slash slash www.copyright.gov <gasps> Choose your dance music carefully! <laughs> While it can be very exciting to hear a song and start choreographing, is important to avoid being selfish. If you are creating a performance piece for other dancers, it's essential to think about their ages, the audience timing, and legalities of using the song. For help using choosing dance music, check out these sites. Wow, look at all those links. There are so many links. Go to this website and you will find this article and you'll get to click on any of those links yourself. The title of this article, again, was Dance Music, How to Make the Right Choice for Your Routine. This was written by Anonymous, apparently, and I don't know if either of us have any thoughts on choosing music legally. If it's on Spotify, you should be fine. Uh, just try not to sell things that aren't yours. Well, first and foremost, anybody else have a flashback to all of those, um, you know, drug commercials that they say side effects may include with how fast you just went through all of that? Because 
thing. Um, as for legal issues, yes, there's a lot of copyright stuff going on, um, especially if you plan on like selling demos or anything like that. You certainly want to be aware of that. But um, in posting on like social medias, sometimes there are copyright stuff and that's why certain things can't be posted. So you certainly want to be uh, aware of that. Um, as for any other legal issues, I can't really think think of any but it is certainly something to consider when you know you are posting to social medias and whatnot mm-hmm. okie dokie well that just about does it for line dance podcast on move radio this week this has been christopher gonzalez and megan barcelia and until next time we will be very happy and excited to see, see you, you on, on the, the dance, dance floor, floor.